Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four now of the uh, No Pucks Given podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric, and I'm joined by my two good friends and co-hosts, Nick Delpret and Thomas Umana. How's it going, boys? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I'm doing well. I can't believe it's episode four already. Wow. Mm-hmm. We're four weeks into the season. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. How about you, Thomas? I'm good. Uh, enjoying the Halloween season, my favorite holiday of the year. So e- That's pretty Spooky fun. season. Spooky <laughs> well, season. Well, I guess we'll get rolling on uh, on this pod today, but uh, I guess we have to address the elephant in the room here um, mm-hmm. and what's been a dark cloud over the NHL for the past, I guess, week. And I guess I got to also launch a, you know, a trigger warning or, you know, like a, you know, disturbing topic warning as we, we feel like we have to address the uh, Brad Aldrich and Kyle Beach and the whole Chicago Blackhawks investigation that is ongoing and, you know, unraveling before our eyes. Um, so pretty much if you guys haven't, you know, heard of, of what's going on, but um, Kyle Beach, who was the John Doe in the sexual assault um, investigation for the Blackhawks came out this week as, you know, he released his identity and people were finally starting to, you know, get a, not get accused, but found guilty and, 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 and certain things were happening throughout the week. Um, so the allegations and, and findings were also were published. And in that result, Stan Bowman and um, senior VP of hockey operations, Al McIsaac resigned from the organization, which is pretty much a firing, but mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is there for them. Um, and uh, Joel Quenville also a lot, you know, left as well because he had his he had his his part in in that as well um but yeah so pretty uh pretty gruesome not gruesome but pretty disturbing findings and and you know when kyle beach really told the story on that interview with rick westhead it was it was honestly you know in my point of view it was really hard to watch um i i struggled to get through it i uh i paused it actually uh, about 15 minutes in because i was like my stomach was turning like the fact that they don't, that kind of stuff happened and for so long went hidden, mm-hmm. like to the point where like guys were working for new teams, like for how long that this thing went on and then no one said a thing. Um, but yeah, so he, Stan Bowman also stepped down as the GM of Team USA, who was also replaced with Bill Guerin. However, he's got his own issues that he's been dealing with um, for his assault allegations as well. But that's kind of a, a different story from from this this big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in this situation, we have to give a uh, a very big shout out to Rick Westhead and Katie Strang for for pretty much bringing this case to the to the public eye as as well as they did, and not they, giving up on it. Exactly, they they pressed they pressed hard on every fact. They brought everything to light, everything to the media, and I don't think this. I don't think this case honestly gets the recognition that it, that it has been getting without, uh, without those two leading the charge on, mm-hmm. on the reporting. Um, let's see here. Oh, there was also the quote. Uh, I guess it was a paraphrase quote from Quenville back in 2010 when the allegations came forward um, into, you know, up to team management and Quenville pretty much, didn't want to deal with it because he didn't want to ruin the team chemistry because he didn't want it to harm the playoff run, which they ended up actually winning the cup and Brad Aldridge's name 
is actually on the cup. <laughs> so that is just horrid. Um, and oh, and then here's another thing too, which it bothered me, man. It bothered me so so bad. The league only charged the Blackhawks two million dollars. I know, literally a few, uh, ten years ago or nine years ago, the Devils got charged three million dollars for cap circumvention, and. And they lost draft picks. And you're telling me you're charging the Hawks, the richest franchise um, in the league, $2 million. I know. It's not even about the money. Like, honestly, it doesn't hurt them either way, two, 10, five. It's about what's being done with the players and coaches who are involved. But still, like, what kind of message are you sending? Yeah. As a league. Yeah, I know. It's definitely, it's it's a slap on the wrist type punishment, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know, I know the um, the owner of the Blackhawks reached out to Lanny McDonald and requested, you know, Aldridge's name to be removed from the cup and and all that stuff. But like, I mean, th- that's all you know, PR smoke and mirrors type deal. Yeah. Right. And you know, this is one of those situations that you know the owner and the team hopes that this story just fizz- fizzles out. And I honestly hope it doesn't. I hope Kyle Beach gets you know the the airtime that i think he deserves and and the you know this this has to this has to go this this conversation has to continue because clearly hockey is not as clean as we all thought it was behind the scenes you know we all watch these games and you know we think you know hockey is like this very inclusive sport and blah 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 which maybe it has worked its way towards that but like this was just a reality check for all of us, mm-hmm. I think, right? And knowing that people are capable of doing such things and other people are capable of somehow in a sick way supporting it by not dealing with it head on and what, how it should have been dealt with in the first place. Um, but yeah, so another couple of things that, uh, that, that came about was the Bettman meetings that resulted in Quenville's resigning and Shevel Dayoff. I mean, Tim, you, you probably shed more light on, on the Shevel Dayoff thing, but he got off, I guess, Mm scot-free. What what was, what was the story behind him? Like, I know he was the assistant GM at the time, but how does, how does he not get punishment here? Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't see how, or I, I, don't get how he got off scot-free. I think he should have been punished as well. I think everyone involved should be punished to the to the maximum and get them out of this game. Because honestly, this is a disgusting act to cover up. But um, yeah, what also disappointed me was his statement. He they tweeted out a statement coming from Shevel Dayoff, and it just again the statement just doesn't seem like he cares or he grasps the situation. I think it's just disappointing to see that um, in the Jets franchise. So that was pretty rough. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, he he gets to be the GM still. And I don't know. I mean, I, he, he, I, I'll forever associate him with that team now. So exactly. I guess his, his image is tainted no matter what he does, I guess, going forward. Um, but, I mean, I guess that kind of uh, wraps up that conversation it was just supposed to be a little summary for everybody you know who tunes in that maybe didn't get a scoop of it or not but i do recommend on honestly to watch the rick westhead interview with yeah. kyle beach on posted on tsn i know it's hard to watch and it uh you know 
like it was hard to watch and all that but um i i feel like it needs to be um seen and kyle needs to be heard um does anybody else have anything to to add to to this uh segment uh yeah well thomas i know you have something to say do you want to go first or should i um i'll i'll just make it quick here okay. if you don't mind. yeah i just want to say you know first off a huge thank you to uh where's the names here so i don't can you get anybody's names wrong? Um, yeah, Westhead. shout out to Rick Westhead uh, and Katie Strong for reporting this and never taking a break. And also to Kyle Beach, who is a hero now, who, you know, deserves as much money from the Hawks, who, who's, you know, is an inspiration now. And I hope this leads to change. And I hope, you know, we, we all love this game. I just hope everything comes out that needs to come out everybody can have a clean Mm -hmm. we can have a clean league and just finally be proud of saying we love hockey we don't have to be scared of you know what new allegations are coming out exactly because this isn't what hockey is this isn't a you know this is an inclusive sport that everybody should be involved in and should be worldwide and just uh i guess one final thing it was reported an hour ago that Kyle Beach is meeting with Chicago's uh, team officials on Tuesday. So I guess we'll mm. see what comes from that. Uh-huh. That's big. Um, I mean, hopefully he gets his answers and Chicago's not just there to to give him some fluff and not tell him what he needs to hear. Yeah. And actually take meaningful action. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. I um, think, sorry, just meaningful action needs to happen and, you know, start making now the story is out we can start making a positive change in the league yeah well just just to build build off that um first off like again i know you guys have said it but full credit goes out to stamp up oh, sorry <laughs> uh rick westhead um katie strang as well as um sorry i don't know why i just froze um help me out here katie strang rick westhead yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just thinking about, like, it just bothers me this whole situation. Like you said, that video. Like, I'm just thinking back to that video, and my gosh, like, it's, it, it, it hurt to watch. I agree with you. I had to pause, especially when he was talking about um, the 16 year old. Yeah. And how that's when he apologized. Yeah, that's what pushed him to come forward, because as soon as he heard about that he kind of put the blame on himself, which, which breaks my heart. Um, because, you know, poor Kyle Beach, like he's been dealing with this for 10 years now in the back of his mind. And now that he heard that it happened to a 16 year old, he immediately thinks to himself, what if I came forward sooner? Um, it's unfair. And that is, that is exactly how unjust the situation is that Kyle Beach is playing that on himself. When realistically, it's the league's fault, and all of those who covered it up, that Rick, that um, I keep mixing up the names. Sorry, guys. Um, that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Mixing up? I, I'm, there's too many names. What's 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 his name? The the guy who I don't even want to remember his name because he bothers me so much. Uh, Brad Aldridge. Brad Aldridge. There you go. Oh. The fact that he still was able to have a job in hockey is that is everyone who covered it up's fault, and it that's why this situation is so unjust. Is because now it, he's putting that on himself. So 
I wanted to say that um, just to build off what Thomas was saying about the whole building off of this and, you know, making change, meaningful change for this league moving forward. I want to see it too. I don't want to see the situation finally be done with, let's say, and closed up and that's it. They wash their hands. That's not how it's supposed to be. I like the action they're taking with uh, guys like Quenville and um, they're taking it seriously by, you just said, meeting, meeting with um, meeting with him on Tuesday, uh, Kyle Beach, and hopefully something comes out of that. Another thing that I was thinking and I saw a lot kind of online is creating kind of some, some kind of like committee or something that kind of advocates for, you know, inclusivity and prevents kind of things like this, like kind of like a board of former players. And obviously I would say that Kyle Beach, if he's comfortable, should be leading this. Um, but something where there's a player committee that kind of holds team accountable and kind of works to ensure that the league is prioritizing inclusivity and, you know, keeping its players, its staff, everyone involved safe. And because if you leave it up to the league, as we've seen in the past, and as we're still seeing to today, we're being let down as fans, as players, as coaches, everyone involved with the National Hockey League. As Chicago Blackhawks fan, I feel I feel brutal for some of those fans. Like, I can't even imagine being a fan of them right now. Um you know, yeah, like I said, hockey, even us as hockey fans, like we love this sport. We want to talk all good things about it. You know, this podcast, all we do is talk hockey. But when there's things like this overshadowing everything, it's no good on the league. It's no good on everyone involved. Um, so hopefully they can take some kind of change to kind of rebuild their reputation. Because right now and the past year, year and a half, really. The, the only is- thing, the only thing that's going to help them build their reputation back up now is doing the right thing. That's yeah. it. That's the, and exactly. There's no, there's no, there's no PR stunt. There's no, no. donation you can make that is going to make this all go away. That, <laughs> you simply just have to put rules and regulations going forward to make this league. I agree. A legitimately safe space. And, and that's exactly why I'm saying make some kind of subcommittee <clears throat> that they're directly involved with these decisions. They have a, a spot at the table, yeah. not, not these meetings happening behind closed and not doors. To, and not to mention the NHLPA, the players union has to do its fucking job. That, and that's what I mean. All these meetings are happening with the PA and stuff like that uh, behind closed doors. But who's involved? Like, who, who's ensuring that stuff like this is being considered? What better the, way to have that? Problem. But that's the problem. The players' union is supposed to be there for that's, that reason. And, and, that's what, and, and that system failed. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Because, like, it's, like, for me, I'm in the construction industry. If I go to my, my union rep with an issue. They need to company, represent you. He's supposed to represent me. Yeah. So Kyle Beach went to people people, and the people he went to brought this to the NHLPA's attention and they just didn't do anything about it. And it's like, how are you supposed to trust that? System? I know he was shut down. Like, like as Even, a play, yeah, as a player, how are you supposed to trust that system? They literally failed to recognize you. Yeah. That's, you know what that's, I mean? that's horrible. He's, they said he has no merit. What do you mean? He has no merit. And that's why so much shutout goes to, like we said earlier with um, Rick Westhead and Katie Strain, because they eventually, they didn't stop. They were relentless. Yeah. So uh, one more thing I want to say, uh, just some kind of breaking news with this topic. Former Blackhawks president, uh, John McDonough, he's refused to apologize to Kyle Beach. He wow. thinks there's no need for an apology. And that is exactly where these issues stemmed from 10 years ago and now. Oh, boy. When they had that meeting, I think it was on March 23rd, three days after it, these, these events took place. It was it was released in the in that huge report that 
in that meeting with managers, uh, owners, and you know all the kind of top of upper staff, John Quenvo was quoted literally, quote unquote, "I don't want to ruin team chemistry. It can really harm our playoff run. We'll address this after the playoffs wrap up." That right there shows kind of the mindset that they took with the situation and that yeah. they continue to have. There's guys like Kane and Taze are saying. I don't, I don't know what happened. I didn't know until the next training camp. Are you kidding me? The guy was being taunted in the dressing room. You didn't know. There's former players coming out now saying, I knew. I heard him being taunted. You're telling me the captain and your team's best player didn't know? So I have a lot of questions, and there's a lot of people that should be held accountable. And wait, Nick, wasn't it, wasn't it you that sent me that picture of the, um, the Blackhawks um, lineup sheet? Oh, the dressing room, yeah. With that was, yeah. Chris Pronger's name. Yeah, yeah, they won the cup, and um, on the on the whiteboard behind the dressing room, it said Chris Pronger is, and then it used harmful language. Um, I'm not going to repeat the word, but basically, they were taunting him, calling him vulgar words on the dressing room board. Homoph- homophobic swear. Yeah, it was a homophobic swear when they won the series. So just think about the attitude in that in that locker room when these events happen. So. Everyone should be held accountable. I like what they did with Quenville. Sheva day off. I don't understand how he got away with nothing. Um, but this just shows that these issues are systemic and they're only going to be dealt with from the top down. Because if the players, I mean, if the managers and owners and coaches are saying we don't care about this right now, I mean, I, these aren't their words, but if they're saying we care more about winning the playoffs, then what do you think the players are going to think? So, I'm not defending the players here. They're they're equally at fault, but it's a top down it's a top down issue. It's right from the top, right to the bottom. If if as a player your coaches are saying let's leave it, chances are the players are leaving it too. So this is what this is the thing that hockey needs to deal with, and it all comes right from the top. So that's all I really want to say about <clears throat> this. Um, we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, I'm glad that um, Kyle Beach can start to kind of fully heal. <laughs> heal past this join together with other um victims in the past whether it's in the nhl or hockey in general or other sports even and i hope something can you know be this could be a step forward rather than another step back so uh if anyone are we i understand we might have left a few things out um i know we're, we're trying to keep this as kind of less detail as possible just for the purpose of viewers. Um, but if you want to go watch the video, I mean, I encourage you to. And also there is the 179 page report uh, that they released last Tuesday. You can give that a read as well for the exact details, but we just wanted to address this because it's very important and topical yeah. at the moment. All right. I mean, it's tough to segue from that uh, harsh topic, but I mean, we'll, we'll deliver, you know, more lighter topics now less uh less depressing but i guess uh we can move into kind of uh some stuff that's happened this week um this past week in terms of injuries um connor timmons for the abs is out eight to ten weeks i honestly didn't even know that happened do you guys this is a lower body injury he's on arizona oh know. arizona yeah he got traded or yeah he oh, got yeah, traded right. he got traded in the, the offseason yeah. um yeah yeah, he's out eight to ten weeks. He took an awkward fall in the corner. Um, not a big 
it's it's oh, a smaller for, injury, but it's big, big for Arizona. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, they also lost. And that's the next one, Carter Hutton, for two to four weeks with a lower, lower body injury as well. But the the that goalie that took over Domelka. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's actually not that bad. I watched a couple of the Arizona games this week, and he's you know, I mean, like. You know, some growing pains with him, but I mean, he doesn't look that bad. Um, I'm pretty sure it's one one right now against the Canes, so he's playing well. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Sean Walker on LA is out for the full season, ACL, MCL yeah. injury. Yeah, that, that that's horrible, man. Yeah, those ones he, are. He had two tough. assists in two games. I know that's not sustainable or anything, but he's well, a young he's defenseman. Like, yeah, he's, he's a good piece for that that defensive defensive core over there too. Yeah. Like, and especially if the Kings want to be successful this season, he'd, he'd be a good reason to why for that back end. And the and fact I, that it's all year, man. Yeah. And then the next oh. big one that happened, Jack Hughes. I am upset about this one. He, five weeks, he's going to be out minimum. Was it a shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah. he separated his yeah. shoulder. Yeah. I hope he comes back and absolutely catches fire. Because I was hoping that he would have his, you know, coming out party this year in terms of just absolutely lighting up the league. And, uh, and he looked like it too. At the yeah, beginning. he was looking really good too to start. So that, that he's got to be pretty upset about that. And I mean, I'm sure New Jersey, New Jersey fans aren't exactly happy either. But hopefully he's, you know, comes back sooner rather than later and healthier than ever and, you know, makes a huge difference. Uh, Matt Zuccarello's out. 10 days COVID protocol. I mean, that's honestly, I mean, for Minnesota, that kind of sucks. He's, he is one of their, their goal scorers, but fantasy wise, Kevin Fiala level to the top line. So put that out there. Um, Ricard Raquel, he's out for a little bit with the upper body injury. No timeline on that one, I believe. Yeah. No timeline yet. And then San Jose with their COVID protocol. That was interesting. Yeah, seven players dropped like flies yesterday. Kind of came out of nowhere too. Like mm. it was like an hour before the game. They're like, "Oh, Logan Couture," because I have him in fantasy. Logan Couture yeah. is missing, and then I saw seven other players. I'm like, "Holy cow!" And Thomas, did you think that was a free win yesterday, or? I mean, with, with the way the Jets <laughs> play, sometimes <laughs> there's Nothing's no free, free wins win in, in the league. NHL. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I, I have Hellebuck in one of my fantasy pools, so that was upsetting. I couldn't pull that one off yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Nino Niederreiter is also out. Um, Thomas, you have him in fantasy. I know that. Yeah. I mean, any timeline on him? Uh, let me check the update. I think there was one this morning. Yeah. He'll be a big piece of this off the wing, too. Well, not a big piece, but I mean, a good depth thing for. Uh, They're for such Carolina a great team, man. Yeah, I really like him as a player. I have, or. He is out. They said for a few weeks. That's all that's been said. Um, the Canes they, will be fine. I also have. Oh yeah, they have depth. They'll be fine. R- Richard Raquel and Jack right. Hughes. Oh, you are just injury bugged right now. And then I think one other thing we missed on was Ranton and missed the two games. Yes. This week, yes. I also have him. <laughs> and Anton Lundell is also on the IR with an upper body injury. Surprise, surprise. I have him as well. So, so is Joe, so is you, Joe are, Thornton. you are an infirmary for a fantasy I know. team. I'm Jesus. Scared. I'm scared to pick up players. I don't want to get them injured. <laughs> the Thomas curse. Yeah, it, honestly, it's impossible to get every injury, but um, 
Another thing to mention, Sidney Crosby returned yesterday. Not the greatest oh, yeah. uh, debut, but, I mean, it's expected. He's missed so much time. Uh, he was a minus three. Um, but at least he's back now. He'll, he'll give a nice boost to the Penguins. Yeah, no, he'll be a, he'll be good to have for the Penguins. Obviously, they're a franchise player <laughs> for the longest time. The team is not the same without Crosby on it. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's self-explanatory. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Now we're we'll start with a couple, couple contract extensions that were happened this week. Um, I'll just start with the one that's not as uh, controversial, um, with Zach Whitecloud, six years, two point seven five million dollars AAV. I, I mean, that contract is really fucking good. Yeah, I don't you get why have, I took that term. Because you want to know why he took that term, Nick. Because he wants to play for Vegas. That's why he took that term. He wants to play for Vegas. He, he, he got six years, $2.75 million average per year. He figured that is enough money for me, and I'm happy where I am. And he's, a, he's got potential still because he's young. Yeah, he's 24. He's, got potential I mean, he's, keep, he's in his prime. He's entering his prime now. He's got potential to keep going. You have him for six years after this season, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. The six, you have him for seven more years. Okay. You're going to take it right up into his 30s at 2.75 million, a total tradable contract if it needed to be traded for whatever reason. I love that contract. Somehow, every team in the league stays winning except for the one I cheer for when it comes to contracts, which segues me yeah, into the like next Chicago. one, which segues <laughs> me into the next one. Morgan Riley, Captain Morgan, eight years. Yeah, see the word you use there, Captain Morgan. It, no, I use the Captain Morgan as the liquor because I want to be drunk every time I fucking see the Leafs signing. Eight years, seven and a half million dollars AAV with a no move clause for the first six years and a 10 team no trade list for the final two years. <sighs> Nick, I'm just going to start off by saying the term is a lot, but I like the AAV. Um, and I will tell you why right now. I know Eric disagrees. He doesn't like the contract. It's fine. Everyone has their own opinion. Um, but I'm looking at the Riley contract without looking at Tavares and Marner because that's what everyone has to bring up every fucking time a player signs. Looking at this from Morgan Riley, his production, his passion, his leadership, he's literally the heart and core of our team. I, I will come out and say that right now, which is why if they lost him for nothing, I'd be very mad. It's not like losing Hyman for nothing. You're losing literally your heart and soul of your team for nothing. Um, if there was a trade possible, and I'm sure Dubis inquired and, and saw what he can get and tested the market, I wouldn't have minded that if we got a good return. And by good return, I mean a top four defenseman and probably a pick, which you're not getting in the NHL. So let me just make that clear. What contending team is going to give you a top four defenseman for a top four defenseman? It just doesn't happen. So... I don't see how the Leafs would have – the only way I would have seen the Leafs trading Riley was either in the offseason last year or if they weren't in a playoff spot. Like, if they were abysmal, you know, um, around January uh, before the deadline, they probably would have moved them to a contending team and just said, you know what, fuck it. Let's take what we can get. We're not going to make the playoffs this year. Um, and let's see what we can do with this, with this space, with, this, with these picks, with this return, right? Because if you're not contending this year – if you're not in a win-now mode, then why not? Just take the year off. Uh, but obviously, 
hopefully they're not in that position. Um, and Dubis thinks the same thing. Uh, I do want to say, just to kind of break down the contract for you. So yeah, it's $7.5 million average uh, for eight years. That's $2.5 million more than what he's making currently. Um, so Eric mentioned the no movement clause. The only thing I want to kind of break down for everyone, just in case you don't, you, you don't remember, uh, Phil Kessel, when he was traded, he was, um, they retained some of his salary, $1.2 million worth. I don't remember the percentage, but um, that finally comes off the books this year. So that's, that's 1.2 of the 2.5 that will be covered kind of thing. The cap's going up $1 million as well. So that leaves you with $300,000 that Riley's making more next year than he was this is the year. Cap, is the cap going up confirmed $1 million yeah. or is that yeah. estimated? Yeah, it's no, no, it's confirmed. Okay. So that leaves the Leafs having to cover three hundred dollars next year. Now we're, not, now we're not thinking two, three, four years. The, the contract's going to hurt probably in the seventh and eighth year. But it's just like if we were going to re-sign Hyman. That's just you knew that was coming. This contract's going to hurt every year he signed for seven and a half million dollars. I, I, I mean, I disagree, but okay. Um, he's he's uh, he's our first defenseman making over five million dollars on our decor since I think Theon Phaneuf. Um, I think he deserves that money. I think he would have got an eight to eight and a half almost anywhere else. Um, You're on crack if you think he's going to get eight and a half anywhere else, Eric. All I'm going to say is who you're is thinking, signing Morgan Riley to, to a bigger contract than John? Hold on, Carlos. hold on. I'm not done yet. Then you can say your part. Seth Jones got <laughs> nine and a half million dollars. Dougie Hamilton got right nine shot, million dollars. Right shot. Doesn't matter. I'm not They're paying a premium. two million dollars. It doesn't matter. The, N- the, N- the NHL is a premium, and plus Dougie okay. Hamilton and Jeff Jones are way better than Morgan Riley. Seth Tyson Jones Barry got shit team now. Tyson Barry's contract was good. Tory Crew got six and a half million dollars, so one million dollars less than Riley. Almost the same term. I take Morgan Riley over Tory Crew. So there you go. Um, Matias Hacklum got six, 6.25. He's four years older than Morgan Riley. He got four years, so they're going to be ending at the exact same time. But he was signed for a bigger contract for a different reason than Morgan Riley because Nashville's not in a win now. They're in a Matias Hacklum. We're going to be young and tanking for the next few years, so please stay for your leadership. Here's a blank check. Just sign it. That's what Matias Hacklum well, was Well, I'm just to. comparing to left-handed defensemen around this league. So because you're okay, so but yeah, but the situation, right. the situation is different on the left side for Matias Hacklum there. It's different. It's a whole different ballgame out in Nashville. The point okay. of being good for the Leafs is you want to be I good wasn't team. done yet, but okay. I really don't care at this point. You, you cut <laughs> me off last week, so I'm cutting you off this week. The, the point of being a good team is you want to be a good team for a while. Morgan Riley's contract does not allow the Leafs to be a good team for a while. It allows us to try and be a good team this year and fucking try really hard next year to do the exact same thing that we did this offseason. Is try and that? find and try and... Dude, he's making seven and a half million dollars. Okay. And how much more against the cap does it count towards next year? Tell me that. Hey, did you tell see? Tell me. Tell me. I want to know. It's two and a half million dollars more to the cap. And that's how much? And how much more after all the free up space comes in? But see, that's the, you're looking at it from a different point of view. You're, that no, actually, space, that freed up space you have to use to for your what? advantage. For what? Look at the look at our left wing. What it would you have a acquired? Sad excuse. Nick, okay, I'm, I'm tell not me what you would have I done know. with Morgan Riley. I'm Just not tell saying me. I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I, Kyle Dubas called Morgan Riley into his office yesterday and said, "Hey, Morgan, uh, we signed this check with our name, and we left. I we guarantee left, you, we left. We left the dotted line where the number's supposed to go blank. So if you just want to write your number on there, and uh, we'll just call it a day. That's what happened. That I'm is what sure. happened. I'm sure Morgan Riley is not." an $8 million defenseman. Yeah, I mean, that's why he's getting seven and a half, but he's okay. not an $8 million defenseman. He's not even a seven and a half million dollar defenseman. And especially not a seven and a half million dollar defenseman over eight years. 
usually when you give someone term at that age, at, at, as their third, as a third contract, as his third contract, you actually, the term is supposed to reduce it a little bit because they're going to be getting paid until they're not supposed to be playing hockey anymore. I'm okay? telling you right now, he would have gotten this eight and a half million dollars for four years anywhere this else. This contract Maybe nine. cannot move. This is literally an in an unmovable contract, no matter which way you slice it from the no move clause to the fact that it's a dollar amount that he's going to literally underproduce on after two seasons. Okay, we'll okay? see. You will see. You will see. Will. Now, now the other problem is, is you got to get rid of Kerfoot. Okay, sure. That's fine. Not the greatest, not the greatest player to get rid of, but on a team that is so fucking weak on winger depth, even though he's a centerman, he's considering a he's a center, um, he's a center uh, left, he's a center left wing. Okay. A lot of players oh. fucking go back and forth, and quite honestly, with our center, with our left wing depth, Kerfoot might actually be our best left winger. If because yeah, he's really been playing like that, Nick, the entire team hasn't been playing fucking good besides Jason Spezza. Like what, what I don't know, man. Bunting's been playing pretty good. Yeah, okay. I'll give Bunting a, a nod. He's been playing all right. I'd have him over Kerfoot. And guess what? He makes seven hundred or nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars for two years. Okay, so now you're gonna look at me and tell me that now the Leafs have to sign Campbell. Okay, uh, actually, I, I prepared for this. So don't worry. Okay, go. On. I'll give go you the whole it. breakdown. Yeah. So the Leafs are gonna sign Jack Campbell. He's not making more than four and a half million dollars. I, I think he's gonna get. Said. I think he's gonna get Peterson's contract. Everybody's yeah, saying sure. he's gonna get Peterson's Cal, Cal Peterson's 24 years old. He's gonna be the starter because Quick is gonna be hurt every other day. Um, and he's Quick's playing. Quick hasn't even played this year. He's played two games. Um, Cal Peterson's just the way you said Ekholm's a way different situation. So is Cal Peterson. He's fucking five years younger than Jack Campbell. Um, Jack Campbell, he's a tandem goalie. That's what you're gonna be in Toronto. You have Mrazek signed for three years. You're gonna be a tandem goalie. He's not getting more than four and a half. I, I think four million, but let's say four and a half. I did it. I did it. Worst case scenario, four and a half million dollars. That's your worst case scenario. Yep. Okay. That's there's going to be a team scenario. that there's going to be a team that pays five. 100%. That's fine. Then it, then it's up to him. Do you want to stay in Toronto? You want to go somewhere else? Go somewhere else. Leave. See ya. Oh, okay. Um, see ya. So we'll leave us with Peter Mrazek, the injury from goalie. Well, you can't. You can't. You can't be life. giving my guys money just because they want to go somewhere else. And you also I, can't just be giving guys money because you love Morgan. I'm Riley. not done yet. I'm not done yet. What? And and you. I mean, Jason Spezza, if he comes back, great. It's Leakman, whatever. Um, the other big guys are Rasmus Sandin. I mean, unless he puts up 50 points this year, he's not getting more than $2 million. He's going to sign a bridge deal, just like Travis Dermott did. Um, and that just leaves you with guys like Nick Ritchie, who – or no, Nick Ritchie's another year. So, honestly, I'm moving Ritchie over Kerfoot, but the problem is no one's going to take Nick Ritchie, whereas someone might take Kerfoot. So, so you, you just said Sandin's got to be going to be signed to $2 million max, let's say. Yep. Yep. Okay, that's fine. That's so fine. that fits so, them under the cap. So, so and then I also million. signed Andre Kasha at 1.3, just like what he's making right now. You and signed Kasha after this small sample size of a season. And that also, I'm just saying, because you're going to talk about how, you know, we need wingers. Well, I'm filling them in. But that, that's a $1.3 million saying, dollar free agent. I'm not done yet. And then you want to talk about other holes in our lineup? Well, that's where guys like Nick Robertson need to come up. If it weren't for these injuries, he'd probably be up this year. The guy has no luck. So... You want to talk about winger depth, winger this, winger that. Nick Robertson's your guy. He's still got guy. a side Dermot. Travis Dermot's probably not coming back. Oh, that's good. That's good. You got Rasmus Sandin and, T- and Timothy Lilligren who are already better than Travis Dermot. Next year, you don't need Travis Dermot. You got mm-hmm. Muzzin, Brody, Riley, Lilligren, Sandin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Justin Hole. Heck, bring back Dermot and get rid of Justin Hole. 
Oh, okay. So you're gonna go and shed Justin Hole's contract, sign Dermot. You're gonna still have Kirk. Or you keep Justin Hole and Kirk. don't resign Dermot. So all all of this bullshit literally leaves the Leafs in the exact same position. With a much better top four defensive corpse than if you're losing Morgan Riley. I'll tell you that right now. What you know, would you get? You know, you know what, what do you think the Leafs would get in return if they trade Riley? Just I don't. Me. I, I don't know. Hear. I don't know what they would get in return for trading Morgan Riley. Exactly. I haven't. I haven't did my research for the for what the market would would yield to get Morgan Riley. But I'm sure. I'm sure we could have him. And I love Morgan Riley. Don't get me wrong. I love the guy. Great hockey player, but he's not worth 500k less than John Carlson. You're bringing up one contract, Eric. He's worth $2 million that, less than Seth Jones. That, He's worth $2.5 million less. Who are less. we supposed to compare him to? Everyone I just named. Seth Jones, Tory Krug. You can't compare him to Seth Jones. He's a right shot. The right shot is a different market. It's a it whole different ballgame. Nick, you say it doesn't matter, but to the GM of the league, it obviously fucking does. Seth Jones. Play, play PJ Brody on the right side like we've been. We have no issues with that. He was our best defenseman oh, last year. Oh, yeah, because our, our we have a winning formula on our team. I forgot. Right. I really forgot. We Who was our best defenseman last year? Just tell me. I want to hear his name. I thought either between Jake Muzzin and, and TJ Brody were exactly and TJ Brody's on the right side as a left that, hand. That's fine, but do we have a winning formula yet that 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 can that can justify? Oh, because a right-handed shot's gonna win you the cup. It's not what I'm saying, Nick. I'm not saying that the right-handed shot is gonna win you the cup. I'm just saying our formula as the Leafs, as we've been icing the same fucking team, same core for six fucking years, and have gotten absolutely nowhere besides the first round game seven every fucking season. Nothing has been working. So why is it that we can't shy away from a whole different option? Get rid of a core piece. What option? Get what are you going to replace him with? I don't know who you're going to replace him with. That's that is my up point. To, that, is, that is up to the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs on who you're going to replace. You know, like the Leafs done? you know what the Leafs would have done? Okay. In free agency, they would have signed another 30-year-old defenseman. Riley's 29, so there you go, already a year. For fucking eight years, seven years, at six and a half million dollars, because that would have done so much better for us. I'd rather take a guy who's been here through it all, who's literally the heart and soul of this team, as I said. Last year's playoffs against Columbus and even against Montreal, he was the best player on the ice, in my opinion, both series. Mm-hmm. Both fucking series. Okay. Both, Wait, both we'll, series. Literally, he drew he drove well, every single play. Every single time he was on the ice, he drove the play. We'll revisit. This. I don't see Matthews doing that. We'll, I don't see we'll Murray doing that. We'll revisit this contract talk when this exact same Leaf team keeps doing what they do every fucking year. Like, if you want to talk about people that, that aren't playing up to their contracts, there's other guys to name before Morgan Riley. I'd be Morgan, paying Morgan Riley $7.5 Mor- million Mor- for the last three years, and he's worth it. Mor- Morgan Riley's been playing up to his $5 million contract. Riley should have been right paid now. $8 million for the last two years, if you want to go based off that. He should not have been paid eight million dollars the last two years. You know, should have been. Just, we had one season where he should have been paid eight million dollars. That was a seventy-two point year. Yep, that was it. He's had one season like that. One. And now he's taking on more of a two-way defenseman role because Rasmus he's been taking on more of a two-way defenseman power play role. Time. Yep. Wow, Morgan Riley is a two-way defenseman. I love how that sounds. That is okay. great. Morgan Riley's not a two-way defenseman. What tells I, you, you that? You, you find you find him in the offensive corners more than you find him on our fucking blue line half the time. I mean, the guy, the guy's constantly fucking on the porch. He's an offensive defenseman. It's who he is. It's his identity. You're not going to go and tell him to go. But what I'm saying is, you gave him more not. of a defensive role because Sandine was power play one all of you, almost all season last season. And I know, I don't know why we're talking about his points when he's a defenseman. He's not just an offensive defenseman. It's his identity is an offensive defenseman. He's he's no better than Alvin. I, I disagree like, because that year yeah. he put up 72 points. He was great defensively as well. That was actually his best season at both ends of the ice. And it's a one, and I'm glad his contract didn't end that year because we would have got fucked. Um, because 
I know he's not going to put up those numbers again. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to, but I still think he's worth seven and a half million dollars. If this okay. team wasn't in the cap hell that they were, you wouldn't even be batting an eye for this. Okay, so then, so then, so then what? So then, what happens? What happens in two years if the Leafs haven't done anything with this team? You trade all. one of the guys who are making eleven million dollars doing fuck all. You don't trade a guy who's making seven and a half million dollars who's literally giving his all every single shift. Sure, he's on for some goals a game. He's a fucking defenseman playing against top line talent every single game. But you got, got guy, you got guys making. $4 million more than him doing nothing. That's where the issues are. The Tavares contract's what hurt us. I love John Tavares. He's our captain. He fucking had an unreal game last year. He went down in the playoffs last year. You can't be talking shit about him. That's what's crippling us. That is what's crippling us. And everyone likes to shit on Kyle Dubas, but you know who that was? Lou Lamarello. He said, fuck you. I'm going to sign John Tavares, and I'm going to wash my hands and leave. That's and then, the and then, and then, really Dubis, and then, and then, Dubis Dubis and then, fucked up with Marner. And then, I will, everything. I will prom, I will give you every, I, Dubis fucked up with the Marner contract. Sure. He Dubis up assigned, well. Dubis assigned two good contracts in his entire career and Nylander and, and Jason Spezza. That was uh, it. That was it. And Jack Ham. Oh, no, he didn't sign Jack Ham. He didn't sign sure. Jack Ham. Yeah, but all of his trades have been top notch. So everyone likes to shit on, and this is why I hate Lee fans. Everyone just thinks bad and never looks that good. Without Kyle Dubas, we wouldn't have Jack Campbell. We wouldn't have Jake Muzzin. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not disputing his I'm not talking about trading. I'm talking about people always shit on Dubas for the Marner contract because that's really all he's done wrong, in my opinion. And I don't want to be bad, but I, I don't. I, I also don't like the way he gets out of out of like, for example, the what was what contract the Marlowe contract where he gave up a first and a second. I think like that was horrible. Again, Lamorello signed that contract, so everyone just forgets. Everyone forgets that, first of all, there was a GM here before. And second of all, all of the trades he's done. All of the, our best defenseman came from a trade for a prospect who hasn't even played in the NHL yet, even for LA. And what did we give them a first? And then Jack Campbell, we gave them, I don't even fucking remember because the I know, I know Lula Morello, I'm bringing it back. I know Lula Morello signed that John Tavares deal, but do you not think that that John Tavares deal was pushed? Oh yeah, um, higher I know up what you're than say. Lamorello. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Lamorello knew he was going to New York, so he's like, no, 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 no. I'm saying, oh. do you not think that like there Shanahan were higher, probably, yeah, there were higher, higher yeah, Shanahan, powers. Hundred percent. Yeah, like I don't 100%. think Lamorello, like that's not a Lou Lamorello contract. No, the, it, the, it's the a John joint Tavares, effort. The John Tavares contract is not a Lou Lamorello contract. No, it was a joint effort. I'll give yeah, it. And I, I could, honestly, looking back at it now in hindsight, I think the John Tavares situation, how it was handled by the Leafs is probably why Lou Lamorello left in a hurry was because it became, it didn't become his team anymore after that, after that I mean, John Tavares deal. I, so at least that's what I think in my own opinion. I think that after that deal was signed and that whole situation settled, I think Lou Lamorello realized that this wasn't his team anymore. It wasn't, the organization wasn't going to be run the way he runs his boot camp military style yeah, well, organization. And Honestly, he's winning. That's all. He's building. He, he got. No, his he's man. a great GM. Don't get got me his, wrong. He got his man in Barry Trotz on the Islanders, and now he's he stays winning every fucking year. Yeah, he, the, I, the, think, the I just have, think Lamorello's better for a team like the Islanders, though. That's that's fine, and you know, I mean, whatever it is, what it is. But at the same time, like he's winning. I agree. He's winning, and and oh, I agree. They've done. They've the Islanders have seen the most playoff hockey ever, and that's without John Tavares and. It's just, it's, you know, at it, it, this point as a Leaf fan, it's just, it's hard to watch this fucking team nowadays. It's really easy hard to watch. I love the game of hockey. 
it is my favorite sport to watch bar none. And I love the Leafs because I like pain apparently. But <laughs> it's just, I, it is just, especially, like, I don't even care about what you said. You think the Riley contract's good, but it's just so hard to see the Leafs looking like they just have to give out blank checks to keep guys. Well, I, well, I wanted hurts. to actually <clears throat> add to that and agree with you for a second, because I'm the same way. I'm fucking tired of, it's always one guy sign. Okay. Who's the next? Who's overpaid? Who's the, and it is because we're, we live in, you know, Toronto and it's the center of the universe, good and bad. Um, and I, I'm the exact same situation as you. I'm like, I just want to enjoy hockey. I don't fucking care about this shit anymore. Like, you know what? And that's what, what I chose to do. And honestly, I know it's harder for you because like you're more pessimistic than me, which is warranted. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I just try to choose more, you know, optimistic and just enjoy fucking hockey. It's easier when they're fucking winning games, but they're yet to win a playoff series. So, but anyways, get to my point. I honestly, like from now on, I don't look at anything salary cap wise until the off season. I'm tired of it. I'm fu- Once the big three were signed, I, I told myself, we're not thinking about salary cap anymore. Steve Dangle said the exact same thing because it kind of ruins the game of hockey. Like I understand why you're pissed off and Sure, Riley's contract, the term really hurts. And it's not, the, I'm not saying it's a steal of a contract or anything. So there's reason why to say it's not good. But it's I just, don't want, really... I just don't want it. I don't want anyone to look at this Riley contract and say you got a hometown discount. No, no, I agree. But it's kind of ruining your mood towards watching that. And that's exactly what I'm trying to avoid. So that's why when I say, like, I know even when we're texting and stuff, I'm like, because you're asking about curve, but this, that, I agree with you. But I'm honestly at the point where, you know what, this team, we don't even know if they're going to be fucking if they lose around it might not be Kerfoot who goes out it might be one of the big three you don't know so that's why I just say to myself let's just enjoy the season for what it is you know we love this sport we were just talking about earlier so why we do this podcast I know this team's frustrating and the market's frustrating and the money they pay their players and it's a tough market to watch bro I know it but what I what I do now is I try to ignore that stuff enjoy the season ups and downs it's harder to enjoy them when they're fucking losing like a week ago we being were a least being other. a least fan makes buying nhl live way more valuable that and that's exactly what i'm trying <laughs> to say to you just watch hockey ignore the salary cap stuff honestly if you want to talk about money and stuff talk about the ico trade because that's probably the biggest thing that's left to fall in terms of you know contracts and stuff and trades and blah 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 you know what, yourself here's a, a favor here's a good idea here's a good watch, idea just watch you ready hockey, for this man. you ready for this yeah what's up Hey Tim, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't said a word for 15 minutes because he's been bitching. No, but that's but that's what I'm saying. Okay, like, let's let's, let's get a Jets fan perspective. How do you feel about the Riley trade? 100 percent honest. Be be 100 percent honest. Even yeah, you don't have me. to you don't have to hurt anyone, man. I I do like him as a player. However, I think it is a little lengthy. But I mean, I think I mentioned it earlier this week. You could move him in the final two years. But I don't know. I guess I, I just don't like judging contracts when they literally just signed it. I understand it might be long or it might be bad, but there's no way to tell it, right? Yeah, and you know what? Going back to what I just said, that's the GM's job, honestly. To yeah. Think about eight years from now. Honestly, if we're gonna if we're gonna sit here and worry about seven years from now. We have issues, man. Just and that's yeah. how broken we are as a fucking fan base. We can't fucking enjoy having arguably the best, although he's not playing well right now. Arguably the best goal scorer in the league. We can't even enjoy that because they have 
year and year over again, just broken us in all aspects on the ice, off the ice. It's just, we're, we're broken, man. And that's all I'm trying to say to you, Eric, because I know you love this sport more, um, arguably more than I do. You fucking play it more than I do. And you've been watching it. You're older than me. So you've been watching it longer than me. Yeah. Just try to just do your best to enjoy it, man. Just, just watch the games. Yeah. I know it's you hard. Guys- Don't even think about the playoffs right now, man. Just, just watch hockey. <laughs> I'll give you, you guys a live subscription. Just watch hockey. You guys stress about the next game, let alone eight years from yeah. now. Look at you, Tim. Your team lost last night. We were we were all together. Uh, we're and still, yeah, and we're Tim still goes, Tim, you know what Thomas said? Because Eric goes, Thomas, how do you feel about that? He goes, I don't overreact over one loss. It's true. We're, from we're still, I know, we're but still it's in so second place in our division. It's so much easier to have it is that mentality that's when what your I'm team saying. has been su- remotely successful in the last 10 years. So honestly man i'm just gonna i'm just gonna watch it play out that's all that's all i can do i'm tired of playing agm over here that's that's what they get paid to do not me so i'm well, just gonna with that being said as you mentioned you're done playing assistant general manager <laughs> we're moving on to the fantasy corner where we are the general managers of our own teams and we are going to give you some actually well actually let's not go to fantasy. that's my fault that's my fault <laughs> I missed okay. a whole segment. It's okay, Fantasy Corner is fun. Don't worry. Fantasy Corner is fun, but we're going to end it off with Fantasy Corner. I missed exactly. an entire segment, and if it wasn't for Tim highlighting it on my notes right now, I <laughs> would have completely over- overlooked that. We're supposed to talk about how our teams did this week. Let Tim and go first. Let Tim go first, because honestly, he has endured me and Nick's bullshit for way too long. Two weeks Let's now. I, <laughs> I enjoy listening to you guys argue. Uh, I, guess, <laughs> I guess I like hearing the passion. But uh, anger, yeah. Trust me, whoever's <laughs> listening, th- this isn't the only time I hear them argue. This goes, <laughs> this, yeah. Sundays isn't the only days. But uh, I guess talking about the Jets, we played three games against Anaheim again, uh, LA and Sharks. The um, I guess there's a little bit of a shaky week. The first week, or the first game, sorry, against Anaheim, we looked pretty rough until Ehlers had that really nasty snipe, and then. That other goal, I think he had off one of the defender skates and in until the final two minutes. I mean, I feel yeah. bad for Anaheim. I think they deserved something out of that game. Um, and it's just still the same thing. Wheeler, he was ready from COVID protocol, but he didn't return that game. And we're still with Shifley. So I guess as long as we're getting the points, I'm happy with that. Same thing with the LA game. It's just another close game where we come back and score two in the third. I think that's just been the theme of the season, just scoring late goals in the third period. <laughs> it's not sustainable, but I guess we got the win there, so let's just take the win and build on that. And in yesterday's game, I think – I mean, I'm a little disappointed about this game. The Sharks, we found out they were missing what, five guys from COVID protocol yeah. and Logan Couture with an unrelated illness. I think you know that was a game where, where we had to get a win – it would have been nice to have a win. We still ended up with a point, another late goal from Kyle Connor in the third period. And then the uh, the Ehlers interference penalty led to their power play winning overtime goal. But it was still a point. And I look at in the standings, we're still, I think we're two points behind St. Louis in second place. So I guess I'm just happy where we're at right now. We're still staying consistent, just like every year, always in the top top three. As long as we stay like that, then it'll be good. Yeah, wow. Mini, I'm surprised. Eh? Mini was off to a hot start, and now they lost three of four. 
yeah, Kaprizov has been pretty rough. I think he has the most shots and without a goal yet. But yeah, and then I guess looking forward for the Jets games, it's Dallas, Chicago, and the Islanders. I'm hoping for, I guess, two wins out of three. I'll always take that. Any you, yeah, you always need four or six. Yeah, especially scenario. since we played the Islanders on a back-to-back on Saturday. Uh, they're a really good team. So I think if we get if we get two wins, it'll be a good week again. And it'll still maintain us in the top three. Yeah. But yeah, I think... It was a good week to watch some hockey. If you guys want to talk about your leaf game, Nick handle it. I mean, I don't really have much to say. Uh, I mean, it was <laughs> a better I? week than last week, I guess. But it, how how do you get worse than that? I don't think you do. The Leafs did a um, good thing in beating Chicago. That's all I can say. Yeah, uh, Freddie. Uh, let's start off with Monday. I'm gonna go really quick here because I don't really care. Uh, Monday against the the Carolina Hurricanes. What I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. I love their structure. Probably the in my opinion, the best structured team right now. And they have been for years, to be honest, them and the Islanders really, except the difference between them, I think is goal scoring. The Canes have more scoring. Anyways, um, Freddie Anderson. Wow. What a start for him. He has, he has six goals against well now seven, if you're including today in seven games, like that's phenomenal. Um, he's six and oh, we'll see how he does. I think it's one, one in the third against the Coyotes right now. He could be seven and oh, Got a shutout uh, on Wednesday. Anyways, against us, he played very well. Um, it's funny. I think he let his buddy Matthews score his first of the season because that was poor coverage on the wraparound. And then he just shut the door from there on out. <laughs> so I literally was, I literally think it was a, here you go, Matthews. Now I'm going to shut you guys down. Anyways, uh, 3-1 loss. They played okay. I mean, that loss would have been okay. Like, fine. Swept under the rug if we didn't have the week we did before. So that kind of hurt a little bit. And then they played Wednesday in Chicago. They started off 2-0. I was probably crying um, because if they lost that game, I fucking – I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what anyone would have done, to be honest, especially in this uh, fan base. <laughs> I think the jerseys would be burning on, on Twitter. I would have lost stuff. my shit. Um, but, yeah, they ended up, you know, after the first period, I think they really just took over. I mean, I don't know how you don't against a team who can't really get anything together yeah they kind of took over and then I mean every time Chicago had the puck it was a high danger scoring chance against somehow so I think what happened was the Leafs all six defensemen really were pinching way too much I know we were down to nothing but still a lot of hockey to be left they were pinching right from the end of the first there were a lot of odd man wash odd man rushes going the other way but Jack Campbell really stood on his head and uh, we don't get those two points without him but Oh, Willie scored an OT and it was it was a much needed two points. And then they played last night against Detroit. I was uh, tuning in and out because um, of a, a Halloween festivity last night. Slash my girlfriend's birthday. Happy birthday, AI. Um, but uh, they got two points again. I guess that's all that matters right now. But we are approaching the 10 game mark. And this is where, you know, structure teams around the league start really getting their, their game going and things tighten up. So let's hope this week. Moving forward with the Leafs, I mean, then Eric, you can jump in if you have anything to say, but they have a tough schedule coming up. They got they got Vegas on Tuesday at home. Well, they got a four-game homestand. So Tuesday at home against Vegas, Thursday at home against Tampa, Saturday at home against Boston. Three really good teams, although Vegas is starting off slow, along with Tampa. There's still three really good teams. <laughs> this is the time where two points are going to be given to you like they were 
um, against Chicago. And I mean, Detroit played really well yesterday, but they still got the two points. But anyways, you're playing three playoff uh, caliber teams. Yeah. You want to call yourself a playoff caliber team? You're not scraping away this game. You're not going to win 7-6. You got to play structured hockey. Like I said, our 10th game is Tuesday. This is where teams start buckling down. Um, so let's see what they can do. Hopefully, you know, they win two or three, like Thomas said, with the Jets. But only time will tell. We'll see next Sunday. But I don't know if Eric, you have anything to say. If not, we can move to Fantasy Corner. No, I think we can move to Fantasy Corner. It's, it's a happier, <laughs> happier segment for me. Let's do it. I find joy in this. Anyway, so this week on Fantasy Corner, um, as you guys know, Fantasy Corner is when we give you kind of like our input on who's up and coming or a riser in fantasy, who you need to get rid of because what the hell's happening to them this season, and a couple sleepers. Um, so let's start. I guess I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a go to begin with. Um, Andrew Mangiapani. This guy was hardly rosterable a couple of years ago, and now. I, I think um, is he not leading the league in goals or close to or something like that? Well, he, yeah, he was tied for the league when he scored those two goals on yeah. Wednesday or Thursday. He's been playing unreal. He's only sixty-one percent owned, which means in some leagues you can get him off free agency. Um, if you're looking to trade for him, whoever has him is probably going to ask for a lot. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if I would actually trade for him, but if he is a free agent, give him a shot. Another player I wanted to mention. Um, from that I have on my team. So when I was uh, struggling with um, what's it called with Maxime Comtois, you know, being on my team and drafting him, I thought, you know what, who can I grab? And I picked up Isaac Lundestrom and he has been nothing but great since I picked him up. If I'm not mistaken, let me just pull up his, uh, his fantasy stats in my, in like the pool that uh, we're all in. Um, he has this season one goal and six assists. He's got nothing on the power play, but he's got five hits, seven blocks, 52 for 55, 52 wins on faceoffs, 55 losses. And I mean, he doesn't have any, like many shots on goal, but he's a plus five. So in our fantasy league, which is a little, little deeper, um, he's a good player to kind of have. Um, and he's only 3% rostered. So he's kind of a guy that I can watch because Anaheim is kind of starting to pick up traction a little bit. They're playing a little better. Um, yep. So he's someone that you can look at, especially because if I'm mistaken, he has a point in his last three games. Yeah, he's two, been excellent, man. A goal and two assists in his last three games. So he's been really good for Anaheim and someone that would uh, be really sneaky for you to grab, especially in deeper pools like ours. Um. And uh, the next person that I want to mention, my last guy, is um, D'Angelo on uh, on Carolina. Now, all, all bullshit aside, and you know he's this, he's that. He's been doing really well for for Carolina. And uh, I recently just traded him, traded for him. I got him from Tim yesterday night. We made a little deal while we were all hanging out at Alyssa's birthday, and uh, I managed to get him on my team. So. He's somebody that, you know, he's going to, he's filling a role on Carolina, which he didn't really get that opportunity. Well, he did on, on New York, but now he's, uh, he's really getting reps and minutes in. 
over there, and he's doing a very, very good job. Um, this season, he's got – let's see his stat line here real quick. Two goals and six assists with five power play points. Guys, just been going off. So, mm-hmm. if I if I were you guys and you could pick him up, I mean, he's 81% rostered, so he's not available in many pools. But, I mean, if you can acquire him, I would definitely suggest that. And then I'll let uh, Nick and Thomas take over here for their picks. Thomas, um, you want to go first or me? Um, it's up to you. Go ahead. Okay, so I guess I'll start off my first pick with, I guess, this theme. Every week, somebody from the Jets has to be on this fantasy corner. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, he's been stellar so far. He's playing on a line with yes, uh, Connor. He has been amazing. Um, this week, he had the one assist on Monday, two goals on against LA, and then another assist yesterday for the tying goal. I think he's just... He's doing really well in Winnipeg, and I'm really happy. And I think once Shifley comes back and we have, you know, the first and second line and then whatever Andrew Cobb can do on the third, it'll be, you know, it'll be really lethal. Great Um, depth. Yeah, depth is always nice center depth. But, yeah, I think if you can pick up Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's 17 – he increased 17% from last week. Uh, I would just try to pick him up or just hold him. I wouldn't sell him high because I still think he can, you know, keep it up. Maybe not a point per game pace, uh-huh. but he's still good for for a, especially if he's playing with Connor Ehlers. He's still putting up points. And then my second guy, who had a fantastic week in fantasy, was Troy Terry, who jumped from one percent owned all the way to seventeen percent owned. Jeez. Uh, yeah, this week he got he got a point per game, one assist, and two goals. Um. And yeah, he's not he's not gonna get you many hits, maybe one or two a game. But as Eric was mentioning with Anaheim, you know, any team could put up points, any team could win. And if Anaheim can find some steady scoring and Zegris is really coming into himself as a player, uh, I think Anaheim could be dangerous. But I really like Troy Terry this week. And the uh, same thing next week. They're playing New Jersey, Arizona, and then a tough matchup with St. Louis. So I think Troy Terry, again, is good for another one or two points next week. I really like Troy Terry, man. Yeah. All right, Nick, on to you. All righty. Um, I'll, I'll blow through this really quick. Risers, I mean, it's not really – it's, it's like a, a Andrew Mangiapane. He's owning a lot of pools, but still someone, if he's available, get him right now. Alex Killorn, um, ever since Kucherov went down, he's really stepped up to the plate. Um, he had a – really big week i don't know his stats by heart but i know he, he had a good week i've been seeing him on the score sheet i have the i have the updates on for every game so i kind of review those at the end of every night um yeah if he's available go for him he's first line first power play um, on a good tampa team who i think will turn things around they've already started um so if he's available get him and the two guys who i'm going to mention I, i've mentioned one of them i think two out of the three two out of the first four weeks this is the second i believe um so first off, Lucas Raymond, he had that big four-point night. I don't know if it was Monday, Tuesday, whenever it was. And I think he added another assist or two as the week went on. Um, he's playing on their first power play. He's in the top six. He could be a Calder uh, favorite this year. Detroit's jumped uh, right into the season running and firing and just scoring a lot of goals. And if they keep that up, I mean, I know a lot of goals were scored at the beginning of the season, but 
I think I think Detroit's going to be a team not to mess around with this year, similar to the Ottawa Senators. They will, you know, they will even if they lose the game, they'll score two or three goals. They won't make it easy on you. So, if Lucas Raymond is available, I think he's only owned in like seven percent of pools. It's not a lot. Go for him. Um, if you have the empty spot, one guy I'm going to mention who I keep on mentioning, and I'm not going to stop honestly, Maurice Sider. I love this guy so much. He has eight assists in eight games. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. let's be let's let's announce that Maurice Sider. This is officially our first ever player to appear twice on Fantasy Court. Oh, he is. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, no worries. I, I I love this player. Um, I'm actually gonna get his ownership for you right now on Yahoo, just so I. This is important. So, um, sorry guys, one second here. I don't know what's up with my computer. Here we go. He is owned in 44%, so not even half. Guys, if he is available in your roster, go for him. I know he's on the second power play right now, but it's not long before he gets on the first. He also has a decent amount of blocks. He has 11 blocks, um, but eight assists, like nine hits, 13 shots, four power play points. Like, come on. Take the chance on him. Trust me. Um, and if you have him, hold him. Anyways, I just love him so much. So, oh, sorry, guys. I made an error before. Lucas Raymond is owned in 49% of pools. So not How 7%. How dare you make an error? Not 7%. Um, but that's really it for my risers. We can kind of get to our fallers right now. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to start it off. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it the fallers uh, a little look. Sure, go for it. I have I have the first guy on our list here, Kevin Fiala. Perfect. Uh, yeah, no, I've had him. The draft him the season. It has been uh, an abysmal experiment. I know he's on the top power for the top line right now with with Zuccarello out, but he's been there for like I think two games now, and nothing has come of it. Um, another actually another player in Tyler Johnson. Honestly, thought that experiment was going to be really good. Um, in, with Chicago, but that entire team just has not done anything really. So he's another person on my list, Tyler Johnson, that I, I would stay away from in fantasy leagues. And I will hand off the mic to whoever wants to name their followers of the week. Tim, you wanna you wanna start? I only have yeah. one really. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Tyler Tofoli here. Last season he looked unreal, finished twenty eight goals. This season just one goal. In, I think, one, nine, ten games here, and two assists. He's a minus three on the season. It's just, it's still looking rough for Montreal. I'm hoping at least some of their players can score, because I know a lot of people are high on a lot of their players. But um, yeah, I think Tyler Tafu is just in a rough spot, and hopefully he can bounce back. And I guess I'll go with my other sleeper here, who someone I really sleeper faller. Or Faller, my bad. No worries. Who uh, I thought was really going to do well what, uh, was Jared Spurgeon. He's starting off the year pretty slow. Yeah. One goal, one assist. He's on their top power play. Mm-hmm. But um, I think Minnesota, they're getting a lot of depth scoring. Uh, Kaprizov is struggling, so obviously that's hindering. Uh, Spurgeon, he's got 13 blocks, so he might get you a block or two a game. But um, I think having him on the first power play and not producing any assists and only one power play assist is really rough this season. Yep. All right. I'll, I'll Last category. Up. Yeah. 
Go for it. Well, I'm not. The, I'll, I'm gonna quickly fire off two followers and then I'll start the sleepers because I have quite a bit in the sleepers. Um, I'll, I'll blow through these though. So, followers, I got Jonathan Taze. I mean, speaks for itself. He's been absolutely brutal. I think he has three assists, but he's playing on the third line now. Like, he's not even really winning many faceoffs, hitting like I have him and he's doing nothing. I'm actually one or two games away from dropping him. So that's it for Taze. He's, he's dropped big time, even in fantasy. I think he's down to like 40%. If you have him, don't really overlook dropping him, especially if you're in a, a not deep league. Um, another guy, Sharon Govich. I was really high on him to start the year. I know Jack Hughes is down, but he has been not doing much uh, either. So those are two followers who maybe keep an eye on if you have them or don't be scared to drop them. Um, okay, sleepers. I'm only doing this because if any of you viewers have got to this point, you deserve a little reward. And um, I'm, I'm big on these sleepers, guys. Like, I, I spent all week just looking at free agency. So I'm going to quickly go through these. So first off, Rasmus Anderson. He's only 40% of pools. He's top power play. He, uh, I think he's on the PK. He's on their top pair. Calgary's red hot right now. Um, if he's available, get him. He's... Uh, yeah, I don't much to say. I mean, he hits blocks and he, he's on the first power play. So that's one. Another one, similar, Brett Pesci. Fucking love this guy so much. Probably one of my favorite defensemen in the league. Actually just scored a power play goal, game-winning goal for me in a week that I'm only up by eight. Let's freaking go, Brett Pesci. He does everything you need from a defenseman, similar to Rasmus Anderson. So if he's available, go for him. I know he's only on like 20% of pools, if that. So keep your eye on him. Add him to your watch list, whatever. Now, for a bangers league, um, if you have hits blocks, they prioritize like ours. Um, Marco Scandella, he's been leading the stats, I think, in both blocks and hits all of last week. So if he's available and you need some hits or blocks, some extra points for a night, you have someone on the IR, grab him. Two more guys, and then I promise I'll be quiet. Um, I want to reward <laughs> you guys a little bit. Ryan Hartman, I picked him up maybe six days ago. He scored every game since I picked him up. He has four goals now in seven games, however many games he's played. One on the power play. He hits, he blocks, he wins faceoffs. He's on the PK. I love this guy. I'm going to hold on to him for a bit. If he's available, you have a spot. You're in a deep league. Take him. And my last one, similar to Ryan Hartman. His name's Tyler You know, I, I call it Genot You know, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not French, but I think it's Geno. There you go. Um, Nashville Predators, he's on the first PK. He's on the third line. He's not on the power play, but he keeps on scoring. He had two goals yesterday. He had another one earlier in the week. He hits like a machine. Um, he's another guy. If you need a daily pickup and he's there, he'll probably get you some peripheral points. Grab him. Yeah. That's it. I'll pass it to Tim and Eric, and we'll wrap this thing up. Go for it, Thomas. Yeah, so my last one is our team, Zub, Zub. Zub. Just such a sick name. Uh, they scream, <laughs> they, every time he does something, Ottawa fans are screaming Zoob. So it's pretty nice to hear. But he's only 10% rostered. So in a very deep league, he's somebody that's going to get you hits and blocks. And I mean, this season he's getting you assists. He's got four assists. He's playing on the top line uh, with Chabot. And he's got you 15 hits and 23 blocks this season. He's, he's going to get you good points. He's putting two hits, two blocks a game on average. Yeah, that's crazy. I think if you just need, you know, a couple points here and there, he's somebody to pick up and has somebody to stream uh, every week. So that's it for me. And I only got one. It's Colasar on uh, Keegan Colasar <laughs> on Vegas, man. I picked this guy up 
because our league it's deeper and, and hits and blocks do matter. It is like a bangers league. And this guy hits everything in sight. And I actually believe he is on a power play unit. So he's, oh, he's, wow. getting, he's getting power play time. He's, you know, he's that guy that goes crashing, banging in front of the net. I mean, he's only got two assists on the year, so he's not going to be a, you know, a statistical darling in that sense. But if you like Nick, like Thomas said, you need a couple points here and there on a night. Kolasar, he's only 2% owned in fantasy league. So I'm sure he's available for, for some of you guys. So I would definitely, if you need some points, Kolasar is definitely a guy to look at. <clears throat> and that, with that being said, that uh, concludes our week or fourth episode, sorry, of the No Pucks Given podcast. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Um, whoever made it this far, we love you. And we love anybody <laughs> who even gave us even half a listen. Um, so love forget, you all. Yeah, don't forget to follow, subscribe. We're on, you know, well, obviously, if you're listening to this, you found our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. But um, yeah, spread the word and, uh, and subscribe, please and thank you. And any feedback? I, I know some people are DMing my hockey card account. That's at hockey card collector 34. You don't follow. Um, they give me some good feedback, um, whether they like it or something they want us to talk about. So please, everything's appreciated, good or bad. And thanks for listening, guys, as always. Take care, everybody.